Welcome to a Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the consecration to St. Joseph. My name is Father Adam Potter, and today is day 28. We'll continue our journey today. I'm excited for it. We're going to dive into one of these beautiful insights into the heart of Joseph in this great petition of Joseph, comfort of the afflicted. And just to consider how it is that we can really turn to Joseph as our spiritual father with all of our afflictions, all of our sorrows, all of our sufferings, all of our crosses in a way that he so wants to comfort us. We'll also continue our recitation of St. Peter Julian Amard's act of consecration prayer. This is all to prepare us to say it more fully on consecration day, which really is only five days away. It's coming quick. So let's start turning to the Lord in prayer, invoking the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. An act of consecration to St. Joseph. I consecrate myself to you, good St. Joseph, as my spiritual father. I choose you to rule my soul and to teach me the interior life, the life hidden away with Jesus, Mary, and yourself. Above all, I want to imitate the humble silence with which you shrouded Jesus, Mary, and yourself, and even your own happiness. For me, everything lies in that, total abnegation like our Lord in his hidden life, making the world forget me by my silence and my practice of the common life. I consecrate myself to you as my guide and model in all my duties, so that I may learn to fulfill them with meekness and humility, with meekness toward my brethren, my neighbor, and all with whom I come in contact, with humility toward myself and simplicity before God. I choose you, good saint, as my counselor, my confidant, my protector, in all my difficulties and trials. I do ask to be spared crosses and sufferings, but only from self-love, which might vitiate their value by making me vain over them. I shall honor and love and serve you with Mary, my mother. Never shall I separate her name from yours in my love. Gladly would I be like you, St. Joseph a poor carpenter, unknown and despised, food for the roots of the tree, the master's gardener who never leaves the garden, who knows nothing but his plants, who loves only his flowers and sees only their fruits, and dies in the corner of his hut in the arms of Jesus and Mary. We do not know the place of your burial, so we cannot honor your remains. You leave behind you only your mantle of poverty and humility. O Jesus, Give me Joseph for a father, as you have given me Mary as a mother. Fill me with devotion, confidence, and filial love. Listen to my prayer, please. I know that you will. Already I feel more devout, more full of hope and confidence in good St. Joseph, your foster father and my adopted father. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is a a beautiful day, and I feel like a packed day, and just as I've been prayerfully preparing to to dive in, um, I have a a lot to be able to share with you, maybe uh, as 
as always, um, which I'm just grateful for. Joseph's amazing, and I just see the Lord doing so much. So I'm so grateful that you're here persevering and getting so close. A quick look ahead at Consecration Day. What are some things that we can do? Really, only five days left between now and, and day 33. Here's a, a top four things that, that you can do to, to prepare for that Consecration Day. The first, as I've already mentioned, is to go to confession. And, and really, this is so important for any big act of, we think of just, just big sacraments that we would prepare for, but especially any big acts of entrustment. It's so good. And so to not just go to confession, but I would encourage you to make a good examination of conscience and maybe to pick one that you wouldn't normally do. If you normally do a Ten, uh, a ten Commandment examination, look for a, an Eight Beatitude examination or maybe the seven deadly sins, something like that, just to mix it up, to, to be as thorough as possible and just to come as clean as possible before the infinite tender mercy of God. Second is to pick an act of consecration. Uh, we'll be doing through this podcast, the St. Peter Julian Amard consecration. Hopefully that's not a surprise. If you look in Father Calloway's book at the very end, this is page 235. He has his own act of consecration there on page 235. Uh, then some other ones, St. Peter Julian Amart is 237. There's another good one by St. Alphonsus Liguori on 238. An important thing is that if you do it as a group, make sure that you all do the same one. There's power in unity and to be able to, to do it. And then if you have a special devotion to St. Alphonsus Liguori or somebody else, you can do that one on your own. Another thing that I would encourage you to do is to write out the consecration prayer. That can be a really powerful prayer to, if you can, especially take it before the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament and to take some time, write it out by hand. It could just goes a long way to be able to prayerfully put it into words. This prayer, this consecration that I want to give to the Lord and to St. Joseph. Number three is to find a mass for the feast day of St. Joseph. So whatever consecration day that you're preparing for, if you're listening to this live, we're preparing for March 19th, to look at the mass schedule. Find a, a one that, that you can do that can be special, that you can really prepare for spiritually in that mass time. And then even afterwards, find a way to be able to, to celebrate properly. And especially if you can find a mass time at a church that has a nice statue or image of St. Joseph. That can go a really long way as well. And the fourth thing, we'll talk about this more as we get closer to the, the actual consecration day. But the idea will be to gather after Mass at this image of St. Joseph or the statue, recite the litany of St. Joseph, and then recite the act of consecration together. So good. And just to be able to have that in, in your mind as, as we get closer so it doesn't sneak up, I just think especially the writing out the consecration prayer and making the, the confession is so important. Okay, uh, the second thing I, I want to talk about briefly is I just want to touch briefly on on silence again. It's such an important part of St. Joseph and I'm not going to be able to give it its proper due, but I, I want to go back and just touch on it again because it's everything. And silence, especially for us moderns, postmoderns today, just for us to admit, right? Like so many of us run from silence. Unless you're a mom, I feel like, sorry, you should, 
usually moms are like, nope, not me, father. I love silence. Okay, so um, unless you're a mom and you like yearn for silence, most of us fear silence. And we even if there's a moment of silence, someone usually chimes in, awkward. Right? Like we can't stand it. We have to fill it in with, with something. And the reality is that silence and its mysteriousness is so powerful. I love silence in the liturgy, and I, it's there on purpose in a way. I think about how silence sh- can shroud, especially at a, a daily mass, a low mass. It shrouds the priest processing in. Maybe he's even carrying the, the chalice um, veiled in itself and to approach the altar, just prayerfully recollected, approaching Calvary, right? And it's there in between the readings that there can be silence. And it's from that silence of the first reading comes this cry of the psalmist, only with a pregnant pause for the proclamation of the gospel. I don't know if you've ever had a a priest give a homily and then sit down. There can be this pause after his words and that reflection hopefully can, inspired by the Holy Spirit, just penetrate our hearts, you know. I think about the silence in the offertory prayers where the priest is just praying these prayers to the Father on behalf of the people, offering bread and wine, but it's the bread and wine in its simplicity and its poverty that's meant to capture all of our sacrifices put right there on that altar of sacrifice in union with Christ to the Father. And it's in this shrouding of silence that there can be this mysteriousness of the love of God poured forth in that most perfect prayer. This is it, and right, and a lot of times, most of us don't experience this silence in the liturgy. It can be filled in with a lot of maybe chatter from the priest, who's usually always mic'd up, or maybe it's the the music. Um, silence can be so powerful, though, um, just to be able to to experience that. And I think about this, right? In the liturgy, it gives us a glimpse into the Lord's passion, and we know that Jesus was incredibly silent throughout his entire passion. And just to consider, right, like, where did he learn this silence? He doesn't speak much. That's why on on the cross, there are the seven last sayings that every single word that he spoke is captured and looked at with such, such reverence and recollection. What did he mean by, I thirst, right? It was with great agony that he lifted himself up on the cross to be able to speak these words. He didn't say them lightly or casually. It's with silence that we're brought into this greater depth of of an appreciation of everything that is spoken. Even Jesus, who stands silent before Caiaphas, Jesus, whenever he stands before Pilate, he just says such few words. It's in Mark, actually, that that Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king? Jesus says, you say that I am. And the chief priests uh, accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. And then it says, this is um, Mark chapter 15, verse 5. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate wondered. Do you see this? Like, it is silence that even is drawing Pilate in. If you've ever taken a chance to consider, like, what's going on in his mind and in his heart, it's such a mystery because Jesus is such a mystery. And it's really through silence that we're brought into that. Friends, this is Joseph, for his life was able to shroud Mary and Jesus in this silence. He, even more than the words that he spoke, and we know that he did speak, but it's really in his silence that he's able to 
draw the Holy Family and even draw you and me into this contemplation of who are you, Joseph? Who are you, Mary? Who are you, Jesus? And it's not just filled out with all of these descriptors of every single dialogue or conversation or moment in their lives. Most of the 30 years of Jesus in Nazareth and Egypt, it's unknown. But that's the point. It's supposed to draw out this mysterious contemplation of, so who are you? What were those conversations that you had? What were those moments of just love, of intimacy, of laughter, of even just like frustration in the daily toils of life that we wouldn't cheapen the mystery? Hopefully you get it right just to to conclude. I'd invite you to spend 10 minutes today in silent prayer. Silent prayer, not reading, not praying the rosary, not praying your consecration book or any other meditation, just to be in silence, to not fill it with doing, but just to be. Psalm 46, 11, be still and know that I am God. And it might be really difficult for you, or maybe you're a master of silence and self-recollection and self-mastery, but just to focus the focus on the presence of God before you. Maybe you're in a church or maybe you're just in the silence of your room and just to enter into that and ask Joseph to really intercede for you, to be present to the Lord whom he was so often present to, even just in that silence, a love and intimacy that went beyond words and just in resting in one another's presence. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about is our, our consecration prayer. And this, this next paragraph was one that I will, will skip over, the one that I got out of order before, if you're following along with St. Peter Julian Amard's consecration prayer. So this next one is, is this, and it leads into this petition for, for our day. The next pa- pa- passage of our consecration prayer is, that I choose you, good saint, as my counselor, my confidant, my protector, and all my difficulties and trials. I do not ask to, sorry, I do ask to be spared crosses and sufferings, but only from self-love which might vitiate their value by making me vain over them. The point is that we can entrust all our difficulties and trials to Joseph. Why? Because he has proven himself to be a worthy guide. He's proven himself through some of the most difficult obstacles that we could ever imagine, especially in his dignified role as being the father of Jesus and the husband of Mary. And throughout all of his difficulties, he remained faithful. So that's why he can be a a true guide. How about this word vitiate? A word that maybe I'm not pronouncing exactly correctly. Vitiate, it means to destroy or impair the quality or efficacy of. To destroy or impair, right? So the prayer is, Lord, I want crosses, but only the ones that you've chosen for me. I don't want them if it's because of my will or my desire or my wanting to be the saint that I want to be over against the saint that you have prepared for me to be. I want the crosses that God wants. Most of us have more than enough crosses in our lives. Usually what's most difficult about them though It's not that they're too difficult or like too burdensome. It's that we didn't actually pick them ourselves. They've been given to us. And Joseph teaches us to humbly accept the crosses that have been given to us as gifts from God, 
as opposed to wanting to reject those for our own crosses. This is why we can call Joseph. This is the the last point, but I wanted to spend a little bit of time on it. Sorry, we're going to spend a little bit more time on this day if you're open for it. And I just think it's worth it, right? This is one of the most incredible insights into who Joseph is. The comfort of the afflicted, or in Latin, I loved, I love it. It's the solace of those in misery. And it's this, it's just con- considering the cross that Jesus allowed Joseph to carry. And I'm going to read this section from St. Peter Julian Amard. He talks about the passion of St. Joseph, this passion that wasn't actually culminated on Calvary, but was a living out of Calvary for his 30 years. So I'm just going to read through this, this longer section. And I'm please just listen, listen to this incredible insight into who St. Joseph is, his heart that was so ready to suffer in great love for the Lord. From the day the aged Simeon had predicted Christ's passion, never a moment elapsed when that passion was not present to that to the mind of St. Joseph. Right, so this is considering that whenever Simeon said, he will be a sign that will be contradicted and that you, Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul, that Joseph was there and that in this prophecy, Joseph was able to be brought in to a foreshadowing, even a very implicit or explicit reference to Calvary, to the cross. The scripture showed it to him in figure while Jesus spoke to him of it continually. For Jesus loved his father too much to deprive him of the grace of suffering the passion with him and of sharing beforehand in its merits. From then on, Calvary was established in the heart of Joseph and there the cross was set up. But could God not wait a while and let Joseph Let St. Joseph thrill with the happiness of carrying in his arms and pressing to his heart the child who was the delight of paradise? No, there was barely 40 days of rejoicing, and then swiftly came Calvary and the Passion. Our Lord was eager to give his foster father the grace of the cross. For 30 years, St. Joseph continually saw a Lord on the cross. Jesus and Mary were always talking about it, how St. Joseph must have wept as he listened to them. More enlightened by God than were the apostles, St. Joseph appreciated the blessings of the cross and understood the need of Jesus' suffering. The apostles would not hear of our Lord's cross. St. Joseph, on the contrary, listened with sorrowful love as Jesus spoke of it. To draw St. Joseph into intimate union with himself and grant him the merit of the whole passion Our Lord had to show it to him in all its details and with all its bitterness. No doubt he revealed that one of his apostles, one of his friends, would betray him. As all the apostles were Galileans, he could point them out to Joseph and say, There's Judas, who will betray me. There's Peter, who will deny me thrice. Whenever our Lord went up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover and Pentecost, he would beckon to Joseph. Come, Father, come and see where I shall be crucified. Or take him to Gethsemane and say, This is where I shall spend three hours sweating blood and water. Falling at Jesus' feet, Joseph would weep and exclaim, My dear child, allow me to remain on earth to suffer and die instead of you. In advance, he compassionated each of Jesus' sufferings. 
Without doubt, Jesus showed him the terrace of Pilate's palace, where the rabble would curse the Son of God, and also the palace where Herod would command him to appear and and be outraged. In adoration of the Father, Jesus would kneel in all these places, which he would soon anoint with his blood. There were dear to him, and he longed for them vehemently. Sorry, they were dear to him, and he longed for them vehemently. St. Joseph and Mary would unite themselves with him, and their hearts anticipate his passion. Further, St. Joseph foresaw Mary's tears and misery. He would have desired to stay by her side, and he must have begged Jesus to be allowed to remain on earth, that he might climb Calvary and sustain Mary. Poor St. Joseph, he had to submit to death and leave behind him Jesus and Mary. Jesus to be crucified and abandoned by his people, Mary to suffer alone, unassisted. How his love for them was crucified. All this is very true. It was only right that St. Joseph should not be deprived of suffering, a grace granted to all the saints. He was to have a fuller chalice of pain than all the rest, because our Lord loved him more than all of them, except Mary. Our Lord owed it to the love he bore St. Joseph. Sympathize with the distress of St. Joseph. Remember his 30 years on Calvary. Our Lord could do no more for St. Joseph than give him his love, but his crucified love, and he showered it upon him profusely. Joseph is a good father. He's sturdy. He's one who's not going to run away from difficulties or sufferings. Gosh, this is his love, huh? Just like his love and his fatherhood, wanting to be there with his son, wanting to be there for his wife. And it's in that that he was just able to even offer that, even offer like not his own cross, but the cross that the Lord had chose for him. And it's this, like, just to consider that he's the comfort of the afflicted. And it's, what affliction in our own life would we be afraid to share with Joseph? Just to really let him in and to share it and to give us that consolation of faithfulness, of trusting beyond whatever we could see or understand in our own lives, that in being faithful and choosing to love God, we're actually able to experience the glory of the resurrection in a way that only comes through this great trust and surrender. The Litany of St. Joseph, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Holy Mary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Noble offspring of David, pray for us. Light of patriarchs, pray for us. Spouse of the Mother of God, pray for us. Chaste guardian of the Virgin, Pray for us, foster father of the Son of God, pray for us, 
zealous defender of Christ, pray for us. Head of the Holy Family, pray for us. Joseph, most just, pray for us. Joseph, most chaste, pray for us. Joseph, most prudent, pray for us. Joseph, most courageous, pray for us. Joseph, most obedient, pray for us. Joseph, most faithful, pray for us. Mirror of patience, pray for us. Lover of poverty, pray for us. Model of workmen, pray for us. Glory of domestic life, pray for us. Guardian of virgins, pray for us. Pillar of families, pray for us. Comfort of the afflicted, pray for us. Hope of the sick, pray for us. Patron of the dying, pray for us. Terror of demons, pray for us. Protector of the Holy Church, pray for us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. He has made him Lord of his household and Prince over all his possessions. Let us pray. O God, who in your loving providence chose blessed Joseph to be the spouse of your most holy mother, grant us the favor of having him for our intercessor in heaven, whom on earth we venerate as our protector, you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is such a gift uh, to be able to be with you and um, just to be drawn in more deeply into a great love for the Lord and for this incredible father, St. Joseph. As always, please, if you uh, enjoyed this video, I'd ask you to like, subscribe, comment below. Let me know how you're doing. If you have any questions coming and approaching this consecration day, if you'd like to support the podcast and the work of Dry Bones Ministries, check out our website, drybonespgh.org. And let's keep one another in prayer. I still look forward to being with you tomorrow. God bless you. And St. Joseph, pray for us.